Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley, and this is an episode you might be familiar with because a few months ago I had an opportunity to have a conversation with a notable Braves player about a pretty notable trade in the franchise's history. And today, August the 3rd, 2020, as I sit here recording this, it's the 30th anniversary of that trade. Of course, I'm talking about Dale Murphy to the Philadelphia Phillies. You may recall back in the spring, kind of right after everything hit and we were quarantining and self-isolating and doing all those things. And around that time, I was just looking for things to talk about on a baseball podcast. And it came to me, well, why not revisit the best and the worst trades in Braves franchise history? And why not let the fans do some voting? So that's exactly what I did. And the Dale Murphy trade was obviously going to make that list of the worst trades, if you want to call it that, most difficult, the ones the fans hated the most. I would say the Murphy trade is going to land on that list just about any time you talk to a lifelong Braves fan. So it was kind of fun to go back and go through all of those deals and pick them apart. More so the fun was had in the good trades, but also the context that time provides for some of the bad trades for the Braves. But more so than that, finding out the stories behind some of those deals is also pretty fascinating. And there's no better source for what exactly was going on when Dale Murphy was traded to the Philadelphia Phillies than the man himself. So I want you to have the opportunity to hear from Dale Murphy as he goes through all of the things going on at the time that he was dealt to the Philadelphia Phillies and also his time in Philadelphia and looking back on it, how exactly Dale Murphy feels about it now, which could be a lot different than it was back then. No spoilers. Here is my conversation with Dale Murphy from back in April. I hope you enjoy it on this flashback episode of From the Diamond. Really happy to be joined by my next guest here on From the Diamond, and that, of course, is Dale Murphy, longtime Braves outfielder and, of course, one of the favorites across all of Braves country. And I thought a really appropriate guest to have on, given what we've been talking about here lately and on the show today. Uh, worst trades, trades that you hated, trades that just hurt your heart, whatever the case may be for fans. Uh, Dale, first and foremost, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you making some time. And I'm guessing that you're not surprised to know that your name came up a time or two when Braves fans were <laughs> looking back on trades that may not have been their favorite. Yeah, yeah. I saw your uh, tweets and your questions, and uh, it brought back some memories. And I always appreciate the chance to talk about it. It was an interesting time in my family, my career, and the whole Braves organization, and it's always a welcome opportunity for me to discuss a little bit more of it, uh, kind of behind-the-scenes ideas and what I was thinking, and just a little, a few more of the details. Uh, if you can, tell me a little bit about what was happening at the time, back in 1990, and how you were feeling about what maybe you needed at that time in your career. Yeah, and thank you again, Grant, for the chance to talk about it once more. Uh, let me think here. Where should I start? I think there were some trade rumors. I think this is kind of probably where the seed was planted in my mind. Trade rumors, 86, 87, 88. I think 87, I had a good year. 88 wasn't so good, and 89 wasn't so good, and the team wasn't doing so good. So some of the trade rumors kind of slowed up. And... Uh, I think what Nancy and I were talking about during this time was we've just noticed, and you can look at the history of baseball in all organizations, the same thing happens except for a very few, very few players. Tony Gwynn, Chipper Jones, uh, Derek Jeter, and I'm sure there's some others that I can't think of right now. Uh, Cal Ripken, I guess, yeah. uh, is another one where the player actually stays with the organization that he started with. 
it seems that there comes a time in a player's career where the organization wants to go a different way. They don't know what to do necessarily. It, the best way I could describe it, it gets kind of sticky. Sure. Uh, the the player still, you know, he's got all those ties to that organization. Maybe his production has slipped a little bit, and you could just go through the list. And I personally, you know, saw what happened to Phil Negro. Yeah. What happened to Nuxie? Nuxie. You know, and I, I think that was in the in our minds that you know something's going to happen eventually. Um, someone's going to have to make a decision, and I think that's what was going through our mind at the time: is that is it time to move on? I guess that was the question. So uh, my situation was being a, a at least a ten year veteran with at least five years with the same team. Yeah. You have the opportunity to you know veto trades and. You kind of still have some control. So I came to 1990 and uh, had struggled. You know, I hadn't, hadn't really had a, a couple of good years put together. And it came to 1990, and I think what went through my mind is, is I'm going to make a decision. And uh, that's where we got to uh, – when was the trade? I can't even – oh, August. Right. Is that right? Yes, that's Grant? right. August of 1990. Yeah. So um, – in 91, I was going to be a free agent. And so I had to make a decision, I think, during the season. Well, at least I wanted to make, you know, I was trying to think about it. And Nancy and I decided we were going to move. We were going to, you know, go out and be a free agent. And I hadn't done it before. I'd been happy with Atlanta and signed some multi-year contracts. Kind of had faith that we were, you know, going to, you know, make some good progress. And so... uh that was it. Basically, I went into Bobby Cox's office, and he was, as I recall, GM and the manager at the time. And and I just went in. I think we were on the road somewhere, and I said, "Bobby, I got to talk to you." And he said, "Yeah, what's up?" And I said, "You know, I'm going to be a free agent next year." And he said, "Yeah, I know that." I said, "No, I'm going to leave. I'm going to I'm going to be a free agent. I'm going to go out." You know, Nancy and I've decided that it's time for me to move on. I said, "But if there's a trade," that you guys can explore now, I'd be happy to consider it. So that's where it got to the point, Grant, I made that decision. And so the Braves started looking at trades, possible trades. Well, for sure. Let me. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there, obviously, and a lot I want to kind yeah, of yeah. delve into. Yeah, and, let's and, go back and review that. <laughs> yeah, like, as a player, what is it like to hear your name in trade rumors? Because for fans, it may be one of their favorite parts of the game is having these discussions, but it has to feel a lot different when it's your name that's the thing being discussed. Yeah, exactly. And, and of course, I had never had that happen before ever, you know, as, as a player coming up with the Braves. I've never experienced anything but the Braves organization then all of a sudden not a lot of them really the most frequent one i heard was with the mets there i'm sure there was some other discussions but that was mets and i i ran into jack mckeon you know a number of times over the years and he was with san diego and he keeps right. telling me he was begging oh what was her name the owner a croc ray croc his wife i can't remember her joan croc yeah i think it was joan croc you know who started mcdonald's and all that or at least yeah anyway owned the San Diego Padres, and he told me he went in to talk to her numerous times about trading for me. <laughs> and I've always liked Jack. A lot of people yeah. don't realize that he was – I played for him in AAA for a couple months wow. uh, back in, in 77. He was the manager of the Richmond Braves, and I got called up to Richmond in, in – well, actually it was 76. Yeah. 
small world. Yeah, it was, it was a great guy. Everybody loved to play for him. And, of course, we know what he did. He went down to Miami. He's a great, great baseball guy. So, anyway, your question was, what's it like? It's really weird. Uh, but I'll tell you, the reason why it got these kind of thoughts going is when I considered the possibility, and Nancy and I thought about, you know, having, you know, eight, nine years in the league, and we started thinking about what it would be like in New York, and it kind of it picked us up a little bit because I was kind of in the doldrums, best way to explain it, mm-hmm. you know, 88 and 89, and the team wasn't doing well, and it was just stagnant. And so the positive of getting your name mentioned is that sometimes it really gets your adrenaline going. You think, hey, this could be a good thing. Yeah. And I never talked to the Braves about it. So, but, so that's what it was like for me at that time. I was very interested in it. Well, you mentioned as a deal was coming together. And, of course, let's just let people know. I mean, most folks that are listening to it at this point know that you were traded to the Phillies. Tommy Green was sent along a little bit later. But Jim Vatcher, Victor Rosario, and reliever Jeff Parrott, who had big league experience, were the three pieces that came back to Atlanta as that deal was coming together, clearly that's something Bobby Cox would be working on. And you mentioned a little bit of this, but did you have input on the cities that you were interested in? Or at that point, yeah. as a 10-5 and five yeah. player, was it more about Bobby Cox trying to find a deal and then approaching you for approval of that deal? Yeah, all of the above, right. So I had some control, even though it was a trade. I got to say one Atlantic boat, when I got traded, I lockered on the road, I always lockered next to uh, Lenny Dykstra. I was number three. He was number four. And he goes, Murph, remember those trade rumors, you know, a couple of years ago with, it was me, Howard Johnson and somebody for you. I go, yeah, I remember that. He goes, I got to tell you something. He goes, when we heard those rumors, he goes, Howard and I did not want to leave New York. We didn't want to go to Atlanta. So Howard said, watch me. And <laughs> they're in, they're in spring training. And Howard goes, Hey Lenny, watch me in infield today. He goes, I know there's Atlanta scouts here watching me. So Lenny told me that Howard goes out to take infield before the game. He gets a ground ball. He throws it over the first baseman's head and walks off the field oh, holding wow. his arm. <laughs> That'll do it. I don't know. <laughs> so he walked. Anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. So For sure. So I went to Bobby and said, yeah, Bobby, I'm, I'm going to move on if there's a trade. So, yeah, so Bobby is just <laughs> – Nancy's right here. <laughs> Nancy wants – just a second. Nancy wants to clarify something. Oh, this, go right ahead. This is, a, this is good <laughs> because my memory is always a little messed up. No, it, no, you're saying it already. I think our primary reason to go in for you to talk to Bobby, it wasn't so you can have control. It was more because we wanted the Braves to get something for you. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Nancy's the thought about the trade was that there was still some loyalty that we had with the Braves, and we thought that if there's a trade, then they can get something in return as opposed to me leaving. And so we thought, okay, well, that would be a nice thing if there's a city that comes up and sounds interesting to us, at least they would get something in return for me as opposed to me leaving as a free agent. And the other thing is if there was a city that I'd like to go play at, they would also have to uh, extend my contract. Right. So the advantage to me was if the city's good I'm going to have a contract extension instead of going through free agency. Remember, if I went into free agency, I was banking on a couple of years that weren't that good. Yeah. So my thought was, 
if this is a, a good situation and they're going to extend my contract, then I, it's a bonus for me. I got a, a good deal and a couple extra years on my contract at the current level of my salary. Instead of going out into free agency, the Braves would get nothing, and I would be at the mercy of my last couple of years. Yeah, that's really and, interesting. Yeah, and that my agent was Bruce Church, and he said, look, let's think about this before you go into free agency because – you know, you're not in a great position. You're 30, uh, whatever I was, in 90, I was 30, I'm sorry, 34. And, uh, yeah, you got, you know, some good years, obviously, but those have, have been in the past. If an organization says, we will extend you, you know, fantastic. So Bobby came back to us and said, the Phillies are interested. And we said, well, what's the deal? And so Nancy and I just had to sit here and, you know, do our best to figure out what, you know, we're thinking Philly's kind of like New York. You know, it could be a time in my career where I really needed that extra juice that comes from a Northeast city, knowing that it is different playing in Philadelphia, playing in New York, playing in Boston is different than playing in Atlanta, LA or San Diego. And maybe it would be a good time in my career. It would be really motivating. And so we said yes. And I didn't really know the players involved, but the challenge for fans is to say, well, the Phillies didn't give, you know, commensurate value. Well, they extended my contract, and the Braves had no leverage. So that's kind of why the trade, people are saying, oh, it it wasn't, you know, equal in value. Well, the Braves really didn't have any leverage. And they were trying to get something for me, which they wouldn't get if I'd not accepted it. So any questions there, Grant? Did that kind of make sense? Yeah, no, that made a lot of sense. I have obviously quite a few questions just in general, just because of the fact that I think that there's an emotional component. And I speak as being a Braves fan who grew up in the 80s. You know, when you have certain favorites and people that you really identify with your favorite team, especially given what the Braves were to so many, because... You know, there was a, a monicum of success that happened in the early 80s, but there was an awful lot of coverage of the Braves because of TBS, and that, in a lot of ways, was part of the brand. But when you thought about Braves baseball for so long, Dale Murphy was the name that you thought of. So I think that for a lot of people, there's that emotional uh, string that gets pulled a little bit. But for most people, unlike now when we're in the digital age where not only do you know exactly who was traded for who, you know what money was moved around, you know who got their contract extended, all of those things hit the internet and hit Twitter, social media, what have you, before anybody would have gotten that information back in 1990. So it might have been kind of a sign of the times at that point to where one of those two was going to outweigh the other in terms of the emotional reaction that folks were going to have as opposed to the, hey, what's the business of baseball? What position are the Braves in? Hey, is Murph looking for something a little bit different at this time as well? So I think it's really interesting that you were able to tie all of those things together for folks and paint a full picture as opposed to, hey, Dale Murphy was the greatest player we've had, and I'm not thrilled with what we got back for him. I think that's a natural reaction, but there's so much more, so many more layers underneath the surface there. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head, Grant. That is exactly it. I mean, I still on social media get people say, I'll never forgive the Braves for what happened. But when you look at, and I didn't read the papers that much and what I said, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what I said, but I know every time I've talked about the trade, I try to emphasize that I initiated (laughs) and it just still from fans back then, I think they still do not 
you're exactly right. It didn't have the information, didn't go into all that. And I haven't had a chance to, you know, whenever I get the chance, like today, I'd like to explain that. I got extended uh, probably at least two years. I can't remember. But I got a real nice contract extension at my age, which was really attractive. And, and getting back to the Braves organization, and I think this is a real key thing. I knew someone was going to have to make a decision. And there's a little bit of a false uh, narrative out there that I, I moved on to make room for David Justice in right field. Um, I knew David was there. He, I knew he's a real good player. But I was thinking more, you know, you got to think about your family, your sure. career. The one point, as Nancy said earlier, that I did think about the Braves is if I accept a trade, they can get some value back for it. If I go free agent, it's nothing. So uh, it put a lot of pressure on the Braves. They have taken the fall for that, and it's clearly you know unfair because uh, we initiated it. Uh, Bobby was doing the best he could, and um, you know it would have taken a lot of heat off of them if I'd have just been a free agent. Yeah, I mean it would have been Murphy's leaving, and that's fine. But I don't know. I uh, it's really interesting to try to unfold the psychology and what mm-hmm. exactly what I was thinking. But that's my best shot right there, is that it was time for me to move. And the best way to put it. And so I don't know how many teams Bobby talked to. Uh, the thought of playing in Philly was just so different that it was really motivating. And I knew they had a good nucleus. I mean, you got to remember, this is 90. Mm-hmm. I went there in August. I played 91. It was so-so year. 92, I felt really good, Grant. And then I got hurt. I had staph infection. Actually, long story, very short, is I've ha- talked to doctors now. They're pretty sure I had MRSA. Oh, wow. Yeah, which wasn't really – we didn't have that acronym back then. But I missed most of 92. My point is, 93, they went to the World Series. I mean, yeah. I kind of felt that this was a good organization. I've always, I have always liked Mike Schmidt. Of course, he was retired when I, in 89, I think. Mm-hmm. And I got a little anecdote about Mike, too. I walked in to the clubhouse, and, of course, he was retired, but he walked in and he goes, man, it is really weird <laughs> to see you in that uniform. Yeah. But, you know, he came up to me and he said, I've always wondered during my whole career what it would be like to play in another city. And I thought that was a really interesting comment that sure. as great Hall of Famer and the ups and downs he had in Philly, he always in the back of his mind wondered what it would be like. And I had that experience and it was a great experience. I really did. And, and unfortunately, there's a lot of baggage to it that the Braves, I kind of forced the Braves hand. And, and when you look at it, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I'm sure there's some other things that, uh, to describe, except that I will say that it was very emotional and harder for Nancy and I than we thought it would be <laughs> to leave Atlanta. I, I mean, know. you know, there were tears and, and uh, a lot of memories. I mean, I wouldn't have had a career without them, without the Braves. I'll always be a Brave you know, but look at Glav. Glav moved on, went to another city, Smolty. Every everybody usually does. So that's my story on how I how I got to another city. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I love playing in Philly. I love playing in Philly. Well, I was going to ask. I think you just kind of touched on it. How difficult was it at the end of the day to leave Atlanta, which was that place where you launched your career, you enjoyed your success, and a place that you built quite a legacy with Braves fans, one that has. Uh, survived if not thrived all the way through to right here today as we sit here talking yeah it was tough i remember 
I can't remember where I flew in from, but I think my car was parked at the stadium, Fulton County Stadium. Well, obviously, yeah, it was there. And I landed from wherever, you know, midnight, one or two, or came from the airport and took a cab to Fulton County Stadium to get my car and then drive home and try to figure out, you know, when we were going to go to Philly. You know, I walked out on the field. I actually went out on the field. Uh, you know, the, they were a lot of times at night stadiums, they're doing a lot of work on the field and the lights were on and no one was there. And I went out there and, you know, had a good cry. Um, it was, it, it was a sad, yeah. sad situation. I mean, I, it was a weird bundle of emotions. It really was weird. Yeah, there's a lot, clearly, that's going to go into that because, as you've talked about a lot, you had the excitement of a new opportunity, but also a chapter that was closing, which can make it very bittersweet, at the very least. I think that might be one way to put it. On the plus side of that, you told the story about Mike Schmidt and, of course, Lenny Dykstra as well. Very different group that you happened into with Philadelphia. (laughs) What was it like at that point in your career, kind of getting to know a whole new team, a whole new city, and joining Philadelphia, which was a club that, as you mentioned, you had your eye on at least a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, I'll give you a, if you go in the Wayback machine, I thought I was going to get drafted by Philadelphia. Really? Uh, in 74. Yeah. I got, uh, that was the only team and I knew they had a scout. I knew the scout in Philadelphia, the longtime scout in the Pacific Northwest, Bill Harper. And my coach knew him and I knew scouts were watching, but I knew Bill was there and the uh, Phillies were the only team that flew me out for a pre-draft workout. Now they, they flew a lot of guys in. In fact, the story goes, and this is true too. So I take BP, and I mean, I'm sweating like crazy. I've never experienced that much humidity. And I'm a tall, skinny catcher, and uh, and Willie Wilson's there as part of the tryout. Now, baseball fans will, longtime baseball fans will recognize the name Willie Wilson from the Kansas City Royals. Mm-hmm. But he had also signed a football scholarship, I believe, with Maryland. He was one of the fastest guys, Absolutely. you know, baseball's ever seen. And they had us run the sixty at the same time, <laughs> me and Willie Wilson. <laughs> so they go, well, this kid Murphy, he can't run, but, <laughs> you know, maybe there's some potential. So the Phillies took Lonnie Smith, I think, third or fourth, and then wow. the Braves took me fifth. So I, you know, back in the day, so I, I didn't know that much about the organization, but I guess to answer your question, what was it like, a different group of guys which really were n- notorious, I guess is the, the best to say. I think John Crutt asked what it was like. One of his lines I quote all the time when a reporter asked him what it's like now to have you know Dale Murphy here with the Phillies. He said, well, now we got 24 morons and one Mormon. <laughs> so uh, you know what, though? It's just like everything. You find out that there are great people all over the world, all different cities, great organizations, and uh, – it is, I think, a great one of the great organizations, and Philadelphia is proud of their players. When you make a decision to be a Philly, they may boo you, but they'll still love you. And I really enjoyed my time. Uh, is the best way to put it. I blended in with the guys. They, uh, <laughs> like I said, they were a little rowdy bunch, I guess, and uh, we got along great. They give you the shirt off their back. All those guys, Crook and Dutch, uh, uh, Darren Dalton, and really, really good people that, uh, I I, I guess is rowdy is the best way to put it, but I felt nothing but respect and, you know, I enjoyed my time there is the best way to put it. I would just wish I'd have been healthier and done better. 
Yeah, a good group that had been collected there. Clearly, they were on the cusp of breaking through in 1993. You mentioned they went to the World Series. Of course, the last few years of your career were spent in Philadelphia. Eventually, though, you ended up in Colorado where you retired in 1993. Injuries, you talked about those briefly earlier, curtailed your final couple of seasons. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about what was going on health-wise at the time that was keeping you off the field because 92, that clearly sounds like a year where things transpired. Let's just call it that. It was a nightmare, Grant. It was – I'll really cut to the chase here. I, I really felt uh, – let me see. 91, I, I felt okay, but 92 in the winter and even going to spring training there in Clearwater with the Phillies, I, I felt like I was really back. I really felt good in spring training. I But what happened was I had my knee kind of cleared out. You know, they went in and cleared out some old scar tissue, et cetera. And somewhere along the line, I got staph infection. So I went through, a, boy, about three or four knee drainings oh. in uh, spring training, and it just puffed right back up. And I got to opening day, I think, as I recall, first or second game, I pulled myself out of the game. I, well, actually, I played about two or three weeks, so I can't remember exactly. But then I, I told the trainer with Philly, I said, I, my knee, something's going on. So I missed that whole year. Eventually, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're pretty sure it was MRSA because of the nature of the infection was so strong that I was on, I started six weeks at home in Atlanta on a pick line, on an IV twice a day at home. And nurses would come by and to get rid of this infection. And my knee just pretty much got destroyed. Yeah, it got into my blood. I had to have a transfusion. Oh, my goodness. Nancy's clarifying details for me, which is, she's, I was really sick. I was really, really sick. And, um, you know, it's one of those things um, that you get. And so, uh, you know, I was on the DL long, long, and then all of a sudden it was obvious. My knee was not going to be able to get back to plane shape in 92. So I missed the rest of the year. I was on the DL and just rehabbing there in Atlanta. So it was a bad year. No, it was very depressing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get my knee feeling good um, and missed that year. And now 93, I went to spring training with the Phillies, and I, I was a little gimpy. It was obvious I'd lost a step. It just was not working. And and uh, the Phillies came to me and said, well, you know, we're going to release you, but we're also talking to uh, – Colorado, which is their inaugural year, they, you know, if they got a veteran name and you can go down there and have some fun and they'll take you. And so that's how I got to Colorado. And then I played a couple months and my knee just wasn't healthy enough for me to play. And, you know, it, it, well, I'll tell you the story here. Don Baylor calls me into his office. He goes, Murph, we're going to make some changes. So, you know, we're going to release you. And, uh, we just, we got to do it. And so I said, Hey, uh, before you release me, let me talk it over with Nancy and everything. And so I talked it over with Nance and I just decided it was time to retire. Nancy was, um, pregnant with Maddie, our eighth child. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't feeling healthy. I didn't, I couldn't go DH anywhere. I wasn't healthy enough. So I went back to Don. I said, Hey, I'm going to retire. So I called my agent and he said, wait, (laughs) he said, don't tell them that. I said, well, why? He says, because if they release you, they owe you the rest of your contract. Ah. He said, if you retire, you, you're you stepping away. They don't have to pay you. <clears throat> so 
my agent called up, again, it was Bruce Church. He called up the Rockies, and the Rockies said, Bruce, we'll pay Murph the rest of his year. He's good. So that was a real nice gesture. They didn't have to pay me, but they paid me the full year in 93. Oh, wow. And I retired. Yeah, that 93 team was an expansion club. That was the Rockies' first year in baseball, so I'm sure there was a unique mix of players there. You mentioned Don Baylor was managing. <laughs> it was uh, fun. Don Zimmer was there. His bench really? Coach. I don't think I remember so, yeah. that. He was pretty much everywhere at some point, it seems like. He was. And I think him and, and Don Baylor were close. And So I got a couple months with Don Zimmer. I mean, listen to some stories. No <laughs> I had a good time, though. I got in that first game. And uh, I think we had 80,000 people at the uh, first game. It was huge at, at Mile High Stadium, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, I touched on this briefly earlier as we wind down here, but Bobby Cox was a general manager for the team in 1990. <clears throat> and for those who may not know or may just not have realized, he was also the manager who moved you out from behind the plate, eventually out into the outfield as well. I guess right. it would be pretty fair to say that Bobby Cox had a tremendous impact on your career in one way, shape, or form a couple of different times. Absolutely. I'm one of those guys that Bobby hung in there with and was, was kept giving chances and kept moving positions till he, he found one for me in the outfield. And had there been a, a different manager, a different organization, you know, it, who knows what would have happened, but Bobby hung in there with me. And uh, no question about it, Grant. I mean, Bobby's uh, – I really feel that I have a, a career, had a career because of Bobby and the Braves. And, uh, you know, that will always be the case, and that's something I'll be forever grateful for, for Most sure. Definitely. And so that's, you know, the, you're right. It's just not cut and dried. Oh, well, I'm getting traded. It's, it was a very emotional time for all of us. And, you know, it was just an interesting time. But uh, I think uh, uh learned a lot from it, had some good experiences, and you know, wish I could have played my whole career in Atlanta, but very seldom does it happen. Well, I appreciate you taking all the time to walk us through what was, again, a time in your life probably unlike any other in so many different ways. There was another Braves trade on our list that we went through on Twitter that yeah. I'd like to hear about and, and kind of see it from your experience, so to speak. Uh, in the 1980s, the Braves finally started winning, of course, in 1982. Then the Lynn Barker trade went down in 1983. Brett Butler, who was a big part of your club at that time, Brooke Jacoby, who had not really established himself at the big leagues, but would with the Cleveland Indians. Both those guys head out. Barker comes in, not the impact arm, though, Atlanta was hoping for as his career was winding down, as it turned out. And then Joe Torre was out as manager not too long after that. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Lynn Barker trade, uh, how it affected the team, and then, of course, uh, kind of the direction the team went in after that and the struggles that followed? Well, you got to look at teams that win. you got to have pitching. Yep. <laughs> Just That's all there is to it. And if you look at our 82 team, uh, in 83, our pitching was okay. I mean, Nuxie won 17 in 82. I don't know what happened in 83. But we weren't – I've always said you need three aces. You know, you need three front-line starters mm -hmm. at a minimum, I think, to have some longevity to contending. It's always going to be pitching. It's just hard to outscore people all the time. And yeah. we had a hitter's ballpark. We had a good lineup. We were scoring some runs. But our pitching just wasn't deep enough. And uh, I think the thought in 83 was, I don't remember details, but there's always responses to other teams. Mm -hmm. You know, they get a trade, they get better. Or what are we going to do? You know, obviously we loved Brett Butler. We didn't know a lot about Brooke Jacoby, but you're right. He ended up having a really good career. And Brett, of course, we all know that Brett had a great career. And as I recall, uh, Grant, 
the main problem with Lenny was his shoulder. You know, who knows details and when it started bothering him. But I think if Lenny Barker would have been healthier, you know, it would have worked out. There's so many things, Grant, with every organization, things work out, things don't work out with health of the player. If this kid would have stayed healthy, you know, or a free agent, uh, Bruce Suter is one. Yeah. Shoulders started bothering him, you know, and Nick Izaski is really one of the, the one a lot of people don't talk about. Got vertigo, and yeah. he was a 30 home run guy for a couple of years, and coming back home, and all of a sudden he got vertigo. So, yeah, in retrospect, yeah, I would have loved to play with Brett Butler, you know, my whole career, and, and Brooke was a really good player. But we needed pitching, and when you need something, sometimes you make a decision that, uh, you know, you're a little worried about but you hope works out. And, and really, to me, it was just Lenny's health because he had done some pretty good things. And, you know, we, uh, we needed pitching. Yeah, and that was a move that was, of course, designed to do that. And just, a, I guess, a lot of changes kind of happened after that initial success oh, in 1982 yeah. and then yeah. hoping to follow it up in 83. And just uh, the cards that were dealt were just not the ones that proved to be the winning hand in what yeah. was the National League West at that time. You know, we did okay in 83, but 84, the Padres kind of ran away with it. Yeah. And, and then, you know, Joe, I never have known the details about why Joe got fired because we had pretty good years, 82, 83, 84. So yeah. it was uh, kind of started our downhill thing. We just weren't deep. The organization wasn't very deep. And then the famous, really, of drafting great pitchers and really started rebounding and uh, got some longevity and some depth to the organization. Most certainly, and we saw that really bear its fruit in the late 80s, early 90s, and of course all the way on through the 90s as well. Let's end on a high note, though. You've been reliving the 1982 winning streak on social media here lately. Tell us a little bit about that and about what you've seen from rewatching those highlights again and what you've learned from that incredible streak. Well, confidence it plays a big part in whatever we do. And if you go out on the field and think you're unbeatable, that's really going to help you. <laughs> and we thought we were unbeatable. I mean... It was just a blast to go out there. You know, I think I tweeted we at this point in time we were nine and zero, and I'm thinking, man, we still won four more games after mm-hmm. being nine and zero. You know, and we're making a splash. It was the whole thing was just incredible. The fans were so hungry for a winner. It was seriously like a I, I hate to say two weeks in the season that it was a World Series atmosphere. Of course, I had never experienced a World Series, so I don't know, but. At least the playoffs. It was like the playoffs. That yeah. I was like, wow, this is incredible. Uh, we had some, I guess the thing to say is mojo. We just, we really felt when we took the field, something good was going to happen. And, and it did for two weeks. And, uh, of course, the season was one of good streaks and some terrible streaks. And we kind of limped home. I think that it really exposed us, though, Grant, getting back to our depth. Mm-hmm. You know, we were only three games over 500 after that first 13 games, and that's that's not very good. I mean, that's not going to win a pennant. So it really kind of – that season was, like, good. We got to the playoffs, but you really had to wonder about the depth of our talent. Were we going to be able to continue this? Because what the Braves have done is remarkable is to have that continually competitive team which, you know, we had some weaknesses, and it's hard to get back. It's hard to get back, as, as I saw. But it was, what can I say, but it was just a blast. It was just incredible. This has been an absolute blast for me. I appreciate all the time that you've made for this, walking through the trade to the Phillies, of course, some of the other things that went on around that time in your career that 
maybe a lot of people don't know. So I'm really glad that you were so accommodating, number one. And number two, I know you mentioned this earlier, just getting a chance to kind of tell the whole story and let people know what exactly was going on at that time back in August of 1990, which for many people was a day that was pretty tough to live with. But for you, the person who actually lived it, there was a whole bunch of other things going on that I think it's interesting to give people that whole story. So thank you so much for making the time and for doing that. Well, I appreciate it, Grant. I always appreciate the chance to talk about it because it was a confusing time. I think your point about information, just mm-hmm. not all the information gets out. Even It may be out there, but it only got out in papers and instead of social media and the Internet. And the main thing I want people to know is that I love the Atlanta Brave organization. I feel like, I, well, I am an Atlanta Brave, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't have had a career without them. And this was something that I initiated, I think, is the main thing. Uh, so I hope people, you know, understand that. But that's what's great about sports, isn't it? You know, we mm-hmm. have our passions, and, oh, for sure. and we love our teams. And, and uh, again, let's get baseball back here as soon as we can. We all miss it. But thank you, Grant. Thank you so much, Murphy. Absolutely. Thanks, Grant. So there you hear it, Dale Murphy talking about the trade that sent him to the Philadelphia Phillies. Hard to believe. 30 years ago today, August 3rd, 1990. But a lot of good insight there and a lot of things that I think folks may not have known because we didn't have all the social media and all the connectivity that we have now. It was written about in the papers for a couple of days, maybe talked about on TV and local radio, and then you pretty much moved on to the next thing. And there wasn't really this constant state of discussion that we seem to find ourselves in these days for better or for worse. So my thanks again to Dale Murphy for making all that time for me. Over half an hour was far longer than I expected, but a whole lot of meat on the bone there. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed having that conversation with him. If you've enjoyed this episode of From the Diamond, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can find every episode of the show and so much more at fromthediamond.com. And make sure you're checking out the weekly episodes. Have one up right now on everything going on with the Atlanta Braves through the first week and a half of the season and all the big Major League Baseball headlines happening as well. You can catch new episodes up from the Diamond each and every weekend. So thanks again for making some more time to listen to this Braves and Baseball podcast of mine. If you like what you heard, be sure to tell a friend. And until next time, I'm Grant McCauley. So long, everyone.